Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to remind you that tonight, Alex Newman is in Wisconsin. That's right. He uh, flew in last night from Florida, and he'll be speaking at Freedom Project Academy in Appleton, Wisconsin, 6.30 p.m. It starts. Doors open at 6 p.m. So as you know, Alex is a frequent guest and friend of ours and my colleague over there at Freedom Project Media. And uh, check that out if you can. Uh, I don't think you need to call in advance. It's over at Freedom Project Academy, and that is in Appleton, um, 750 North Hickory Farm Lane. That's Alex Newman in person, 6.30 p.m. Doors open at 6 tonight, talking about the Great Reset, the deep state using COVID-19 hysteria, and changing how people live on purpose. So, Alex Newman, uh, if you miss any of this, just give us a call or just contact Freedom Project in Appleton. All right, so <clears throat> Jelaine Appling is with us today. A lot of topics, and we're kind of going to jump around a little bit, but we've got to start with um, really what's going on in Wisconsin and some recent cases that have been in the courts. Um, but first, we're going to get an update on what happened last Mother's Day, see if there's anything uh, other than crickets from the DOJ, FBI. Julaine, Wisconsin Family Council, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Oh, good morning, David. Good morning, Mary. Good the morning. team there. Yeah. Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah, blessed, joyful New Year, um, I hope. It still is continuing because we're just like less than a week and a half in. So the question on everybody's minds, I'm kidding, but let's <laughs> let, let's talk about what happened and recently, if anything, when um, abortion supporters attacked... Um, all kinds of pro-life pregnancy centers and conservative and Christian organizations and even a lot of churches. The recent number I have, this is according to American Family Network, um, Charlie Butts, over 170 attacks now, which literally meet the federal government's definition of domestic terrorism. Jelaine, your offices were firebombed last May, whatever day it was, but it was Mother's Day in the early morning. And uh, last time we had you on, uh, about a month or so ago, we talked about the Disrespect for Marriage Act. And we also found out that no one is being interviewed as a person of interest and there were no arrests made in your particular case. And we'd like to get an update, please. Well, I can do that very quickly, David. We have heard really nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, with one caveat, when the national news, conservative news outlets started realizing that the number of these attacks was quickly escalating and that nobody was being arrested, they, um, the, the law enforcement agencies involved with our case, and by the way, as near as we can tell, we were the first one. That was Mother's Day, May 8th, the Dobbs decision, uh, the the, the opinion that was drafted had been leaked, remember, on that Monday before yes, Mother's Day? That's and right. Was, and we knew, you know, everybody knew then something was going to go. But um, so it was, so we were the first. And now you have this, as you said, now up to 170. But that got the attention of at least the local Madison Police Department. And I got a phone call uh, from the detective assigned to our case saying, well, you know, I just really don't have anything to report. Surprise, this, surprise. Th- well, I know, and it, and it's you talk about disrespect, yep. right? Yep. Um, this is a complete disrespect for, in my opinion, a couple of things. Number one, justice, true justice, because if this had been happening, and I know there's some speculation here, but we also know there are some specific examples to to support what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. If this had been happening to pro-abortion groups all across the country for the last eight months. Don't tell me there wouldn't have been arrests made. The, yeah. I, I said this the last time I was on that situation there in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where a Planned Parenthood facility had a Duraflame log lit on the roof of it, and and they found the guy four four days later, and they should have. 
So, it, so, so David and Mira, I just want to point out, it's not like they left here when they left the day of the attack, when FBI agent and ATF and the local police department left. It's not like they didn't take physical evidence. They took three paint cans worth of it. So there's DNA in there somewhere. They, they came, look, they came out and said to me, is there any reason you would have a lighter in your office? And I said, no, there's no reason I would have a lighter in our, in my office. So I know they had a lighter. Hmm. Um, you know, wow. there's got to be, unless these people were really smart and left nothing, wore gloves, <laughs> and were really good at what they did. They weren't very good at making mm-hmm. Molotov cocktails, mm-hmm. fortunately, fortunately. So, you know, um, th- this is where we are. This is the reality we live in. Truth is slain in the streets of uh, true justice right now um, and, and at, at high levels is, is not going to happen, obviously. But I just want to say one thing. In the midst of all of this, I am still excited that I get to be here for mm. such a time as this. Praise Aren't God. you? Yep. Praise God. Aren't you glad you are shedding light in the middle of all this? <laughs> mm-hmm. And Dark, I don't want to be. Darkness, I, I refuse yeah. to be a doomsday person. I just refuse to be. Well, um, you know, you're so, certainly doing ahead. something right. I mean, considering all the opposition that you're getting and yep. that many of us get, that's just a, a sure sign that you're doing something right. And I. I as much as anybody else, I don't like the politicization politicization of all these, uh, you know, governmental agencies and such. And and you can't even trust them to do. You know, we we pay for them, we pay taxes to have these, yeah. and they don't serve us. So yeah, that's that's what's really disturbing, Julaine. I know what you feel about this. We've talked about it several times, but they are supposed to be representing mm-hmm. all citizens and serving the people. And now, I mean, we've talked to our friend Jim Harden in Buffalo. New York, Compass Care, and uh, they're trying to, they had surveillance video that they turned over to the police and had to go to court to get it back. Mm -hmm. So now a Freedom of Information Act request demanding the Department of Justice release its records has been issued. Um, So they promised to investigate. They have not because it's been, what, nine months? So the letter states, we have serious concerns that the DOJ, that the work the DOJ has is being inappropriately politicized, as Mary mentioned, and they are this. Uh, these investigations are being quote slow walked, meaning the Biden administration and the the Department of Justice and the FBI has no interest in pursuing justice for Christians, conservatives, Republicans, pro-lifers, independents. But yet, four days after one single isolated attack in Kalamazoo, Michigan, they found the guy, and they found out what he used, a Duraflame log. They found out where he bought it. And and so one instance, and they had an arrest and conviction four days. Jelaine, your thoughts? Well, look, um, first of all, I'm just going to say an oft-repeated phrase, at least for me, and you'll, you'll recognize it, Elections have consequences, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because so so people that are listening to this, please connect the dot with, dots with us. When you have a president come in with a worldview like Joe Biden, like and, it, and more, yeah. even more importantly, all the handlers he brings with him, he gets to point people to all of these bureaus and agencies and departments. And they Jeez. do his bidding. It's a clown show. It's, it's demonic. It is a clown show, yeah. but... But how in the world people think that elections don't have that kind of, of reach? I don't, I don't understand that. Because once you, once you change the top, the trickle down is very real. Mm-hmm. And, and so look, all of these people who serve in these capacities, at least the vast majority of them take an oath of office. And that oath of office says that you're, at least here in Wisconsin, it was amazing. I was on a TV show last night and we were going through the oaths of office that the uh, governor, the attorney general, and the lieutenant governor took, which is man, the, the crux of it is in our state law. So you have to say it. It talks about fair and impartial. Hmm. Fair and impartial. Yeah, right. And, and, what a and, joke. The, and even if those words aren't in the, the, the oath that the federal people take, the implication is, mm-hmm. and the assumption would be that it should be fair and impartial. There is no interest in that from this administration. Zero. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so what do we do in the meantime? We keep doing what's right. We, we get up every morning. We thank God for a new day and that we still get to live in America because right now I don't know any better place to go. Okay. Mm, so if you yeah. guys find it, let me know. Yeah. Okay. But, and, and that I still have an opportunity to speak truth into this mess and to encourage mm-hmm. people 
to be faithful to God and to, to keep doing what is right in the midst of the darkness. We're, like, I, I know it's, I know it's cliche, but it is true. The light never shines so brightly at, as when it is the darkest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, light up, people. So you mentioned Tony Evers, and um, some people refer to him as emperor, but we'll, we'll leave him at Governor Evers for now. Um, so we had some people being sworn in. We had some unfortunate election results. Um, I, I think one of the problems, Jelaine, is um, average citizens don't see what's happening, that their freedoms are being uh, threatened, especially religious freedoms, and they're not – connecting the dots so they just continue to elect the same people the the same party that they've been voting for all their lives they're not changing and until it's i think it's going to be too late and then they say well wait a minute how do we get here to where our taxes are going up the economy is hurting we're being locked down our school policies are are uh, secular humanist and and atheist and socialists and all this other garbage and here we are and they're, they're starting to complain and yet they elected the people that are in charge of this well, and there's a great truth to that, but but David, every year that we graduate a class of 18-year-olds from our public schools, mm. we're adding to the p- number of people who have that worldview. I, you know, um, it shouldn't surprise us that that is that that aspect of our culture is getting worse. Um, but I would say I just want to point out that on the whole, in Wisconsin, we did we did better than a lot of people mm-hmm. give us credit for in that election. Yes, we didn't get the AG and we didn't get the governor's, the governor's chair. Okay. Right. I get that. But yeah. we, but, but that I want to point out what you're talking about here, David, that we, in, in the midst of that, the assembly increased its Republican majority. The Senate increased its Republican majority and we held Ron, um, the Republicans held Ron Johnson. The conservatives mm-hmm. held Ron Johnson. So mm. what you had is a lot of people splitting votes. Mm. And I think what you, mm-hmm. what you saw in that vote is that they said, I'm not real sure. A couple things. Number one, I'm not real sure I know enough about the alternative to Evers that was on the ballot. I'm not sure I understand what yeah. kind of leader he might be. So I'll take the devil I know yeah. over the devil I don't know. I mean, yeah, there were a couple good candidates uh, and we couldn't I guess we couldn't boil it down to just one. And that was part of the problem, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was part of it. it well, except the, the third one that was on the ballot, who was. You know, she said she was running as an independent, but she withdrew in early September and people just used that as a hammer uh. to try to beat conservatives tried to use that to beat up on Michaels. Mm. But but I, I point out that I, I think there are a lot of reasons why people voted like they, they did. And I don't think they understand all the time how saying, oh, well, I might don't I don't want one party running everything. I think that's too dangerous. I don't want a Republican governor and a Republican legislature or Democrats running everything. So I'm going to split my vote. I'll vote for Ron Johnson over here, but I'm not going to vote for I'm not going to vote for Tim Michaels over here. Wow. And, and I don't I don't think that's atypical uh, completely. And nice. I don't think it's restricted to Wisconsin. I think you can see that lots of places. But we do need to start thinking through these things carefully. We need to we need to actually use our brains more than our emotions on this mm-hmm. and and make sure that we um understand that when they take an oath of office some of them actually intend to uphold it but many of them don't yeah mm-hmm. because it's according to how they interpret things that we we get these results of lockdowns and mm-hmm. you know higher tech look we got a 6.9 billion dollar surplus projected for here in wisconsin i Who's going to make the decision on that? <laughs> Whose morality is going to be legislated mm-hmm. on that right there? Yeah, mm-hmm. we were. Ha- the yeah. governor's going to have a lot of say in that budget. Yeah, a we lot were, of say. Tim and I were having a discussion the other day. You know, I mean, we could use a new car. What can I say? But I don't see, <laughs> I don't see that that's going to trickle down to the person who paid that in. Unfortunately, um, I was actually kind of glad to see that the assembly has a Republican majority. The Senate uh, also, even though I know our governor loves to veto everything. Uh, but the fact that they get to determine what comes to the floor, right? The, the Republican well, majority, do. yeah, yeah. So, so the way this works, and this is not atypical. So, leader, so listeners from around the country, this is pretty much typical for every state. The party that has the majority in your houses of the legislature get to appoint the the leadership. So, the speaker comes out of the Republicans, and the you know you have a majority leader, and you have uh, so, and and beyond that, which is really critical when it comes to policy making. 
all the ch- uh, the committees are chaired by Republicans. And what happens beyond that is every committee has a majority of Republicans on it mm. because the majority party gets to do that. By the way, same thing at the national level, the exact same thing. So right now today in Washington, D.C., the committee chairs have shifted because we have the Republicans now have a majority slim <laughs> in the House. But mm. but it is a majority and, um, you know, I jokingly say after 15 votes, if I'm Kevin McCarthy, I'm thinking, OK, nobody really wants me. I'm out of here. Jeez. But he didn't take that. He didn't take that no. advice. But um, but they're undergoing all these committee chair uh, chair changes and they're undergoing all the rule changes. And and that's the value of a majority. It, it, it really is. And, and by the way, in Wisconsin, the, the state legislature is beginning to understand there is a workaround for the governor. You can't use it all the time, hmm. but it's to put joint resolutions out that bypass the governor. You have to get them passed in two consecutive legislative sessions, hmm. and then you put them on the ballot for the people. So in April, they're going to probably have at least one of those on there on cash bail for us, the people, to vote on. Hmm. And they have, they could have as many as four, I think, if they get going on them. And they completely bypass the governor. He has no say except his bully pulpit. Hmm. So, so there's there there's some hope out there. You know, some election reform could get on there. Um, some. Uh, oh, and by the way, how we spend our money. The COVID money came into Wisconsin in billions of dollars. Right? Who had the total say of that? The governor. If this resolution gets out there to the people, it would say no, 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 no. Money comes in like that. You do not have unilateral decision making capacity, the legislature gets some say. So I, I'm encouraged by that. There's mm-hmm. another example of why those majorities are important, Mary. Mm-hmm. You are an optimist, aren't you, Julaine? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> well, seriously, you're, you're making some good be. points. Yes, yes, <laughs> you're making some good points. Yeah, um, I like we, it. we only have three minutes left in this segment. We, we wanted to ask about the Church Ambassador Network mm-hmm. and uh, their role, and just tell us a little bit about that, because boy, do we need this. Oh, well, the fundamental need of every human heart is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior, right? Because we're all sinners yes. and, and we need to have, we need to accept Christ as our Savior to, to have that relationship stored, restored with God. And that's really what it's all about is, uh, Dave, uh, Daniel Degner and Dave, uh, Lingle, our church ambassador, Dan runs the program, uh, work with pastors from all over the state to come to Madison and to go to the Capitol, not for politics, not for policy, but to pray with and to pray for elected officials, to read a verse of scripture, to encourage them, to talk to them about how they are ministers of God for good. That's how God sees them. Mm-hmm. And, and to um, encourage those who are believers and support them as, as well as to uh, gain the right to have a relationship with those who are not believers, to share the gospel with them eventually. Uh, they've been over there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of last week. They're headed there today with a couple of pastors. Um, early in the session is a great time to meet, especially with the new, we have a ton of new legislators this year. I love this program. And by the way, um, listeners from other states, find out if your state has this through your Family Policy Council, because there are now, I believe, 15 states across the country that have a church ambassador network um, doing this work that is so important. And and by the way, we have white papers developed on uh, various subjects like life and education that are just, what does the Bible say about these things? Mm. And when, when legislators ask the, the uh, gentleman and the pastor, share that with them. So it's just, it's, it's, it's one of the most, it is probably the most important thing we've ever done. And thank you for doing that. It's a very important issue, and I don't think we understand that as a people, even as a church in America, how we are not supposed to hide our light under the table or under a bushel. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil, and so many church leaders even are not speaking about fundamental issues from God's creation to gender, to marriage, family, to life in the womb, human life in the mother, mother's womb. So we've got a lot more to talk about with Jelaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council and Wisconsin Family Action. And when we come back, we'll continue this part of uh, the discussion. We'll talk about some recent federal court decisions. We mentioned a few yesterday, there's more, that actually have good results, favorable for the, I guess, the issue, the, the sanity and reality and maybe even biology issues. So more with Jillian Appling when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth.
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Okay, so uh, before we get to these court cases, which are very important, and we'll, we'll work through this, we'll, we'll work through this little by little. Um, I want to mention that tomorrow is, thank you, tomorrow is Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And I just want to mention that there is a rally in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, supported by Damascus Road Project Incorporated. And that's going to be at 11 a.m. tomorrow. That's the 11th by the sundial in downtown Oshkosh. Uh, it's called Stop the Traffic, Make Some Noise. Human Trafficking Awareness Day. Tomorrow in Oshkosh, 11 a.m. That's right, 2, 1 p.m. And so you want to get information on that, go to the Damascus Road Project Facebook page, or you can go to damascusroadproject.org. Mayor? Uh, yeah, I was uh, fascinated to read some uh, statistics here about human trafficking. Um, the nation's largest hotspot in America is the I-9094 corridor connecting Chicago and Minneapolis. This information came from the Dane County Sheriff's Office, who has also added a detective... I don't know if one is enough in this case, if you listen to you know some of these statistics here. Mm. But um, it also is believed that it occurs in each of Wisconsin's 72 counties. So I don't know. We need to pray to end that because our young people, again, you know, it's always against our young people. Children. Children. My um, goodness. Also, we have uh, January is Sanctity of Life Month. The 22nd is Sanctity of Human Life Day. Um, you know, just so much going on. I'm not sure. I don't really have a schedule of any rallies going on. Perhaps you know of, of some things that are going on, Jelaine? Um, well, specifically, no, okay. I don't. Um, I'm glad you mentioned, though, the one there in Oshkosh. One mm-hmm. of the things that Church Ambassador Network does for, from Wisconsin Family Council is help to make those things, make legislators aware of those things mm-hmm. because there are some laws that you can pass that can help regulate some of it. And um, I know Daniel Degner from the church, from our church ambassador network program is, has been working with the Damascus road and working, uh, trying to connect people to it and make sure people know about it. Look for years, Wisconsin has been known, or excuse me, Milwaukee has been known as a hotspot mm-hmm. for sex trafficking. Yep. Um, and I, I just want to quickly point out a lot of times the, the, the protective area for this is the sexually oriented businesses so-called mm-hmm. gentlemen's clubs, which oh, I think is such a horrible name for yep, them. Yeah. Yep, but but yeah. they shelter them. They bring the girls in. They get them in there. They get them trapped. And then, the you know, the men come in. And, and there's all these backroom deals and all the rest of that, and all, it, all the shady, horrible stuff that you can imagine. And and, and the, some of these sex, sexually oriented businesses get put in off slightly off the beaten path areas, but with easy access to the 9094 corridor. Yep. Juno, Wisconsin, uh, and Juno, which is just north of where I live in Watertown, uh, they had one where this it was just terrible. And and you know there's places in Milwaukee. They're they're all along that 9094. And I'll tell you another. There's an artery off that 9094 corridor that heads up your way, folks. 41. Mm-hmm. 41 is also an area that is under constant. Um, surveillance for yep. this kind of thing. So to think that this isn't happening in Wisconsin is so, so naive. I was, and I was, yeah. uh, was going to add to that, Jelaine, you're right about 41 because I've heard things, well, it goes right by Oshkosh. That's where one of yeah, the pro- exactly. things are happening tomorrow at 11 a.m. downtown there to raise awareness. And it makes its way right up to Appleton. And I've heard through some of these people that are investigating this um, problem in northeast wisconsin that there was a hotel in appleton just off of 41 that some of these traffickers were using and i i can't uh, get into detail but that's why one of the reasons when i have tara uh, come she was with damascus road in, in oshkosh but uh, jelaine this is a problem it's nationwide and of course we've got playoff sports games and the super bowl coming up and that's one of the biggest places and events where traffickers use because there's people coming from all over the world all over the country hotels and motels are filled up and they, they people want to be um entertained for i'm putting that very mm-hmm. very mildly yeah well it, it's true and these are 
these are nefarious people. They are unscrupulous. They, you know, I, I suspect it from a biblical perspective, some of these people um, get into the Romans one area where God gives them up to a, over to a reprobate mind, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they they think nothing of trafficking in children and women yeah. and, uh, you, you know, destroying lives along the way. The best defense, the very best defense we have in this, folks, is parents. Mm. Parents who are monitoring what their kids are doing on the Internet. The Internet has become the main means by which people get trapped in this. And David and Mary, for the life of me, I do not understand parents giving 12-year-olds smartphones with no filter, no restrictions, no rules, no accountability. But I see it all the time. I just heard about a parent recently um, who who was asked, you know, about their, their teenagers, young teenagers' use of smartphones. She said, I just gave up. It's too hard. Gave up. We're talking about the, oh the welfare of, of your children, yeah. perhaps getting lured into a sex trafficking situation. Wow. Parents need to be the, and, and they should are and should be the very best defense their children have. Yeah, yeah, and they don't. I don't think they're taking it seriously because, I mean, you know, how many years ago we never heard of this sort of thing. You know, this was never an issue. All of a sudden, we have milk carton children in the eighties when my daughter was young, and that's just a reality check for parents when it started to become dangerous to have children, and you can't let them walk alone, you can't let them walk to school alone. I mean, mm. what a treacherous world we're living in. I know. And the Internet, people, that's how kids get uh, contacted. Mm. And you can pose as anybody, almost anonymous, put a, a profile out there and a picture of a young person, mm. and that's how a lot of these predators um, get a hold of these kids. Mm. But, uh, Jelaine, let's move on to some court cases now. Um, yesterday we talked about the very good outcome of the ex-Virginia Tech soccer player who refused to uh, kneel um, to the altar of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, the Marxist-driven organization. that, um, And she ended up getting $100,000 in the settlement because her coach discriminated against her. And um, we won't mention the name, but it was a First Amendment issue. And it was. I'm glad uh, that uh, case apparently had a really good outcome. I think there's still some settlement to, to go, but I think they decided on at least $100,000 because she was on the team. I don't know if a scholarship was involved or anything like that. So that was a good outcome when it comes to free speech. Don't force me to kneel for your cause. And universities, oh my goodness, they're just so woke and leftist and it's no surprise, but very few are standing up. This one was favorable. Your thoughts and then we'll go on to the next one. Well, I'm thrilled that the, the court saw the truth in this and, and didn't let their personal agenda and their liberal worldview dictate how they, how they saw the law and what they did here. Look, the freedom of speech includes the freedom not to speak. Mm-hmm. And you cannot, coercive speech is wrong, whether it's speaking or not speaking. If you coerce me into not speaking, you, you know, it, it, it goes, it, it, let me put it this way, it goes both ways, right? And um, this, by the way, this goes to those, um, the, to the right of cake bakers, for instance, to say, no, I won't use my freedom to speech to create a cake that speaks to uh, uh, championing same-sex marriage or whatever. So yeah. what the soccer player did is she said, I have a right not to speak. I have a right not to kneel. That's a form of speech. And the court saw that. Um, and, and I'm very encouraged by that. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So, so let's, let's talk about, I don't know all the specifics in this, but I got to believe that, was this a federal court? Um, let's see here. Her name is Kirsten Henning. And we're, I'm looking for the, uh, the any information on whether it was... Uh, state or federal i don't it doesn't say in the first half of the article so okay uh, um yeah it doesn't say so so regardless of whether you know how this judge got there oh you're looking at it too oh maybe am i doing that i'm sorry i didn't know i did that yeah sorry um but regardless of how this judge federal judge federal yes federal judge okay so that's an appointment yep that's an appointment, right? Because every federal judge is appointed. I know where you're going Senate. with this. So I'm not sure who appointed this, but I would <laughs> guess it was either uh, George Bush or um, uh, Don- Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And so, it's again, elections have consequences. Yep. So I'm, I'm thankful for that because, look, it, right now, 
we either have the, <laughs> the best protection we might look for is coming from the courts. I know, I know that it may sound obtuse, but right now, are you not heartened a bit when you look at the comp- the uh, composition of the U.S. Supreme Court? Yeah, I know. There's just, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's just the wild card there. There's Roberts, and you don't know what no. what he's going to do. But yeah, I, I, I agree. But yes, Julian, yes. On the whole, <laughs> when I look at that U.S. Supreme Court, I at least don't go like I used to go. Oh, there's no way. You know, okay, you're right, at least right. now, after those three Trump appointments, I, I have some hope. You're right. It may not be much, but I have a little. Yep. So so these things are happening, you know, a judge a judge by judge at the district court level and then at the, the appellate court level, too. Okay. So let's move on to the next one, Julaine. There's one. Um, well, let's let's go to since we were just in Virginia, let's go down to Florida. And you mentioned one that, that's very encouraging. Well, it is. This is coming out of the 11th Circuit, so that people understand. Um, I, it's my understanding. I think I have to go back and check this, but I believe we have 11 di- different appellate court areas mm-hmm. in this country. Um, and this one is in the 11th down there in Florida. And this was a school, a, a school district that had a policy in place and still does have a policy in place that says school bathrooms will be segregated based on biological sex. And a disgruntled student who wanted, who thought she or he could do the impossible and change his or her sex said, Oh, no, no, that's discriminating against me because I'm not either bio, I'm not, I'm not what my biology tells me I am. And, um, and, and the 11th Circuit said, Wait a minute. The school district has every right to put in place a policy that is about the well being and privacy of the students. And the, the way they enforced it was not in discrimin it was not discriminatory against anyone because they also provided a single user, single stalls, a sex neutral facility for students who wanted to use that facility, whether they were transgender or not. And so and they, they said, Nope, this is totally legal. It doesn't violate the U.S. Constitution. It doesn't violate any federal policy, uh, like Title IX or something like that, mm-hmm. because the word sex actually means biological male and biological female. Mm-hmm. That is a really good decision. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. There are going to come, the way things go to the Supreme Court is when we get split decisions from the appellate courts. So somewhere in this country, probably the ninth. Uh, there's going to be a decision come, if there hasn't already, hmm. that says, oh, no, 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 no. That kind of policy is completely discriminatory. And when you start getting these split decisions coming out of the appellate courts, and the, then the Supreme Court says, okay, we're going to take a case and we'll probably lump several together. And we're going to put this before the U.S. Supreme Court and settle it. Interesting. Because we have such dis, uh, diverse opinions across the country coming out of the appellate courts. But right now in Florida, that 11th Circuit opinion is incredibly encouraging. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you one reason why it is. Whether you're in Wisconsin or any other state across this country, you are hearing all the time, federal law requires us. We have to, courts are requiring us to to allow boys who identify as girls to go into the girls' locker room, changing rooms and restrooms. We have to do this. That's not true. And parents need to start showing up at school board mm-hmm. meetings saying, no, look at this 11th Circuit Court. Look at a couple of other places where these kinds of policies have been upheld. And they're, they're, they're constitutional and they are not in violation of any federal law. So they quit hiding behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, common sense is really refreshing to hear someone actually <laughs> doing their job, which is to uphold the Constitution, make sure no federal uh, laws are violated. I mean, it's just so encouraging to see something like that. Uh, but like you said, it could end up somewhere else with, in someone else's hands. But for now, I think it's great. So this is the Adams versus School Board mm-hmm. of jo- St. John's County. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Right. So if people wanted to look that up and get information on it, more to talk about. And that's back in. Oh, wait a minute, uh, West Virginia. We didn't. We didn't go West there Virginia. yet. Yep. Right. So what happened? Well, this is an encur- Well, this is an encouragement. You know that across the country, we've had all these horrible incidents of biological males saying they're women and girls and competing on the girls' sports teams, right? And in athletic events. And just a quick story, um, you know, I'm, I'm not quite six feet tall anymore, sad to say, but I was. 
And when I played basketball in high school, especially my senior year, I was center at six foot. I had a 5'10 and a 5'11 forwards, and I had some lights out shooting fast, lightning fast, quick uh, point guards. And we just we just cleaned up, right? <laughs> yeah. We just cleaned up. If, if some guy had come in here and said, hey, I, I, I'm identifying as a girl and I want to try out for center and, and, and Appling, you know, you can't jump 36 inches, you know. <laughs> um, I, you, you lost your, I'd be, I'd be furious, furious. And so mm. what have my parents been furious, by the way, all the time they put into my sports yes. life. So, so we, we, we're fighting this battle in so many areas and the, the Title IX junk coming out of the Biden administration says school districts aren't going to get federal money if they don't allow biological males to play on the girls' sports teams and all that other stuff. And here comes this court case out of West Virginia where they passed a law that said, no, you can't have biological males playing on the girls' sports teams. And so you have to play according to your biology. And so here's this, what's fascinating about this one, David and Mary, is that this judge, in his opinion, He's a federal judge, not not appellate, but but um, district court. He he's so liberal. He's so liberal. He says in one part of it, he says, "I I I do understand that being transgender is natural. Oh, Hello, wow. there is nothing natural about being transgender." So, but then he goes on to say, "But our biological sex is also natural, and it's and it does have it does impinge upon oh, the uh, athletics." How confusing! Wow. I know, but but I am encouraged. That at least this was a fair-minded judge who said the law dictates mm-hmm. that I have to say, no, we cannot set aside this policy. We need to, it, it, it is legal. There, it doesn't violate the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And the state of West Virginia can enforce their ban on boys playing in the girls' sports. Uh-huh. That That's because this guy is so, so obviously liberal he's bought the lgbtq mm-hmm. plus agenda hook line and sinker yeah. but yet he came down on the right side you don't see that very often no that mm-hmm. is pretty amazing actually remarkable because uh you said i think you said earlier fair-minded judge and we don't hear those words used together often Mm-mm. uh Jelaine, we've got to take another break but um yeah that's a that's another good outcome friends so um you know Jelaine is converting us to optimism today <laughs> Uh, early in the year on Stand Up for the Truth. And we've got a lot more to talk about in the next segment. But, yeah, there are some good things going on. And um, we'll talk about a couple other issues uh, when we come back. But remember, again, tomorrow that um, gathering in Oshkosh, Human Trafficking Awareness Day rally. It starts at 11 a.m. It uh, goes to 1 p.m. downtown. Where are they meeting? They said at the Sundial. So those of you who know where the Sundial is in downtown Oshkosh or just look for the crowd, stop the traffic Make some noise. Tomorrow, Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And that's nationwide, not just here. More on Stand Up for the Truth in a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We've got Jelaine Appling on the line, Wisconsin Family Council. And uh, it's wifamilycouncil.org. Um, before we go on, I just want to mention this. I went over to Got Questions, and there's a question on there. And it's a great website, great resource, great app, gotquestions.org. Can a person be born with the wrong gender? Now, they make some outstanding points. But, Jelaine, to you and I and to Mary, simple question. Um, can a person be born with the wrong gender? It is a almost two full pages of oh text and information on answering this question, wow. uh, can a person be born with the wrong gender? So I'm going, wow, I don't understand. I mean, this, so I guess um, they really want to be thorough because of the confusion this around today. But that that just really surprised me. Anyway, on to uh, what we mentioned or what you mentioned in the first segment and that's uh, different states handle it different ways. Some states, I'm really surprised in a way that there is a surplus here, but um, I'm sure that goes back to the Walker years. Um, but let's just talk about that and why that's important. And more people are leaving uh, certain states and moving to others. Uh, that That's an issue across the country. Well, well, it is. And let me just give you a little background. Wisconsin Family Council and Wisconsin Family Action are – it's the only group in the state, you know, that that has family 
God's plan for the family at the center of our mission, right? So we're constantly looking at what impinges on the ability of the family to, to get or remain independent from, from government or, and, and to be able, because we are, the state of Wisconsin and any state in this country is only as strong as their families are strong. Mm-hmm. They're married, dad and mom's families. Yep. So the economy of a state matters. When you're sitting there and, you know, I can't speak for other states, but I'm sure other states are in similar situations around the country. When you're sitting there with a projected budget surplus, like we are here of $6.9 billion by the time we end our fiscal year in June of this year, June 30th, then, then there needs to be some reckoning mm-hmm. because the, the money is there for one reason. It came from taxpayers. It's not like a local bank, you know, they went and made a, took a loan out of the local bank and dumped it into that fund. This is taxpayer money that has come into the coffers of the state of Wisconsin. And there is a stewardship responsibility that our elected officials have from the governor on down through the state legislature to handle that. Now, it, what, what's going to happen is the budget's going to be introduced here next month by the governor. And he's going to probably propose all kinds of ways to put it into special interest groups or to put mm-hmm. it into welfare programs or something like that. But I think you need to look at it. We need to look at it differently. How can we structure tax, the tax code here, mm-hmm. the tax rates, the tax brackets or whatever in a way that allows families to keep more of that hard earned money? Let mm. me give you an example. So Chris Kappenka is president of the state Senate here. He is proposing no income tax and um, his 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 majority leader in the Senate, Devin Lemahue from from Oostburg, he's proposing that we have a flat tax. Now, Robin Boss over in the in the State Assembly is probably going to be talking about changing the brackets a little bit, which is really a, a, a confusing way to do it. But mm. there's different ideas. Okay. But let's talk about this no income tax. You know, there are at least there are at least five, I think it's five or nine states where there are there's no income tax, none. Well, what's happening in Wisconsin is people know about that. And last, in 2021, most recent statistics we have, 10,000 more families in from Wisconsin left Wisconsin than came into Wisconsin. Hmm. How long do you think a state can sustain that? Wow. That's because when you have that kind of, of negative, um, uh, number there, you're not just affecting the present folks, you're, pre- you're affecting the future because those family units, now we're talking about families, okay? Uh, by and large, dad, married dad and mom families have moved to places like Texas and Florida. That's right. Where there is no income tax. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't pay in. They got fees, mm-hmm. but they don't have their income tax. Because when you have fees, folks, generally speaking, you have a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Of whether you're going to pay that fee or not. As far as, you know, yeah, you're going to pay through your, if you want a car, you're going to pay those fees. But, but, it's not just the weather in Texas and Florida that are luring people. I would also submit to you, by the way, this is a, a sideline, uh, a sidetrack, but uh, I, I love Governor DeSantis <laughs> uh-huh. yep. and I love Governor Abbott. But um, here's the reality. When you take the future out of a state like Wisconsin, when you take those families and move them out, you have those kids aren't going to come back here for higher education. They're not going to come back here to work and the parents aren't going to come back here to retire. By and large. So that's why I say it's not just the present that gets affected. It is the future of a state. Mm. So when mm-hmm. you start looking at taxes, you need to look at the how, how you can best help families keep more of their hard-earned money. Mm-hmm. That money should not be squandered. I don't care what state you're living in. Surplus, uh, keep a rainy day fund. I don't have a problem in the world with a rainy day fund, but that needs to be the least amount of money that we need to make sure we can cover an emergency, right? Yeah. Yep. It doesn't need to be six point nine billion dollars. Right. Right. So um, I, I would I would pray that our elected officials would would approach this with with real thought and and be circumspect about how they handle that. I think there's a moral and ethical component to this. And quite honestly, I don't see any of that happening from Governor Evers. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be very interesting to see how the governor and the state legislature come to terms with what we're going to do with mm-hmm. that money. Now, just real quickly to say that, if you might recall, you might recall that the last budget cycle, and we do two-year budget cycles here, um, in 2021, when the budget came out, the, the, the governor had proposed the largest spending increase in the history of Wisconsin. 
the, the, the legislature under the control of the Republicans shot that to pieces and gave him back a budget with a tax cut. <laughs> and then he took credit for it. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> well, you remember when he was campaigning, yeah. he talked about how mm-hmm. he, he cut the taxes. Oh, of course. <laughs> that was yeah. just a lie. Yeah. Just yeah. a total lie. But so, he gets away with um, it. Yeah. Well, he does get away with yeah. it. And, uh, you know, it, it, po- I, politics is... I don't know. Politics is just an ignoble profession. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The word "poly" just simply means affairs. Many ticks. Oh uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> affairs of the city. It's affairs of the city. It's how your government operates. Mm-hmm. It's what happens in a city or community. And people get so. I mean, I understand people get overwhelmed by all this, but we can't emphasize enough. These are results of elections. People move to different states because of who is in power and what kind of policies they're implementing, Mary? Yeah, uh, in the last uh, budget cycle, there was a $4.3 billion surplus. I'm, I'm presuming this has carried over. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't spend it then because at the time, Evers said that he wanted a uh, 10% tax cut for individuals who earn less than 100000 per year. Um, he talked about restoring the homestead tax credit, property tax relief, and how schools are funded. Now, I don't want this money to get in a black hole of leftist school systems. No, exactly. And yet, and yet here's yeah. the other hand, is as senior citizens are paying uh, property taxes, they're paying for these schools. They don't have any children in or grandchildren maybe in the schools, but they're still paying for yep, them. Yep. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe That's it's a, a, point. a no-win situation on all this, well, but uh, now we're up to six-point-something billion, and somebody needs to do something. Yeah, they do. And look, when you talk about schools, uh, everybody that lives in the state of Wisconsin should have heard the inaugural addresses from the lieutenant, new lieutenant governor and Governor Evers on his his second inaugural address. They both called for unit for basically saying we want full coverage for um, full funding for our public schools. What does that mean? Mm. And, you know, I've asked this question to to liberals before. How much is enough? How much money is enough for you to quit talking about we need more money, we need more money in the the public school system? You talk about a black hole, Mary. That's a black hole because it will never be enough, no matter how much it is. Yeah, we talk about this all the time on the show Educated over at Freedom Project uh, Media. And the money continues to be funneled into the system what does the system do? The educators, the teachers unions, they lobby for the Democrats. And that's, I'm sorry, friends, it is a political organization. It's not just about education. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Money drives it. And the, the money that goes into it does not, more often than not, help the children or the kids or the, the cl- in the classroom. It doesn't get down that far. Uh, because of bureaucracy. And anyway, so they have endorsed, they meaning the NEA and the teachers unions, they have endorsed every Democrat candidate for president since Jimmy Carter. They have never supported a Republican. And this is just the way it is. We've got to recognize that, friends. This is a spiritual battle at its core because this worldview on the left is I'll just, it is demonic. We say it often on this podcast. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in terms of the Bible and the biblical worldview, what they're doing is just, it's just horrific. It's wrong. It's dark. They're going after our children. They're indoctrinating. And here we are, uh, business as usual. So, Jelena, I would love for you to comment on some of that. Well, it is demonic. And our children are the innocent victims in this. And when you, we talk about the money in, in public schools, unfortunately, that money goes to further indoctrinate. Yep. Um, because they keep hiring people that are coming in with a worldview that says, yes, we need, we need, you know, we need to promote the LGBTQ agenda. We need to promote CRT. Um, in spite of all of their remonstrances that say, oh, no, we never talk about that. Oh. They do. And, and they use it to, to just really brainwash our, our young people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I want to make sure we get this in here. Sure. And I think it ties in. So we have school choice here in Wisconsin. We were one of the first states to implement a voucher program. Um, it's a robust program. We have the Milwaukee program we've seen, and now we have a statewide program. And uh, the governor came out and said, no, no, we, we would – and, and by the way, we, he, if he had his way, he would wave, wave a magic wand and all of the school choice options would be gone. Every one of them. Yeah. So, so how does it, how do you get that gone in a state like Wisconsin where the legislature is not going to do away with it? Well, eventually you try to own the high court. 
So this spring, we have the most critical Supreme Court race, I think, that I have ever seen in 25 years. Wow. And that is because Pat Rogensack, who usually gets named as a conservative justice in our 4-3, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a conservative court right now, she's not running again. So it's an open seat. There's two liberals running and there's two, at least one known conservative running. And I'm not sure about the, the other one, mm. uh, Jennifer Doro. But um, if the liberals take that seat, everything's up for grabs. Yeah. Everything wow. that we just gain that is positive, you know, school choice, our 1849 abortion law. Well, We'll have abortion on demand. They'll find some way yep. to say, oh, in Wisconsin's constitution, there's a right to abortion. Mm. So, so, so again, th these things are incredibly important as we look at the big mm -hmm. picture. Now, you said that's in April, right? That we're talking well, about the now. primary in February, David. Oh, okay. Oh, Lord help us. <laughs> it's already. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no. We can't get away from this, but friends, I'm sorry. It, it is tedious and it, it is potentially fatiguing. But we've got to continue to be diligent in this. If you care about your community, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna manipulate, but I personally believe if you love your neighbor, you will care about what policies are being implemented and mandates are forced upon people. You will care about who gets elected at every level, including the local. Jelaine, three more minutes. Talk about the local level and let's wrap this up. Well, that's the beauty of the spring elections is that we have this statewide race for the Supreme Court, but we also elect our mayors and our school board members and our city council and county board and all, all these local things. No unit of government, no level of government has more impact on our lives than local government. They tell me when I can take my trash out, how I can separate my trash out, what I have to do with my lawn, you know, all my zoning mm -hmm. laws and everything. Um, and by the way, the corollary to that is there's no level of government where we can have more influence than the local level because I go to church with them. I, I see them in the grocery stores. My kids play on their sports teams. You know, they're, they're my next door neighbors. Um, th this is where we, we can have, especially in a smaller community, so much impact. Mm -hmm. We can find out about the candidates. And, and seriously, David, I love that you brought that out. It is true. When I love God, I should love people and I should look out for their yeah. good. And so I should be promoting candidates and promoting policies at the local level on up to the federal level where it, where the good of people is promoted. What does that look like? That's protecting life. That's giving yes. people options for schooling, education, freedom. It's, it's making sure that as much as possible, we, we protect families and the, and God's plan for marriage. Uh, and all of that is, is so important that we have freedom. To worship. Yes. That starts yes. and that's about that's what's good for people. And we need to we need to consider that. The free speech, free expression of religion. And by the way, I love the free expression that seem that's been allowed all of a sudden by the NFL over the last week because of Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bill yeah. safety that is, has now been transferred to a Buffalo hospital from Cincinnati. So he continues to make remarkable progress. But that was an amazing moment over the weekend to see sports announcers mention God or prayer. And they're allowed to just maybe for one week. But we'll see what happens this coming weekend in the playoffs. But I thought that was a fascinating story. But Jelaine, religious freedom, that this is who we are as Americans. We can disagree but we should not silence any kind of worldview or any kind of speech. But anyway, we've got to wrap it up. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you, sister. We'll talk to you soon. You too. All right. We've got um, a replay tomorrow, a broadcast of an Alex Newman podcast. We need to have you here. Many of you haven't heard it. Also, Seth Gruber had to reschedule. He will not be on Thursday. We, I think, already have someone lined up. Uh, Friday, Gary Ka, get ready. And Scott Shera Monday, Curtis Bowers next Tuesday. We've got to start talking about that one. But anyway, Mary, good podcast. Thanks, guys, for listening. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>